seated. Glad you're here today. I'm glad to be back. It's always good to go, but it's always good to get back, too. You know. I want to talk to you this morning about the Gospel of Mark. Uh, short reading. Big idea is uh, God does not call the equipped. He equips those whom he calls. You've heard that before. But the context today, the kind of thing that ties this together um, is teamwork, trust, and testimony. Teamwork, trust, and testimony. Jesus, in the beginning uh, of this chapter, chapter 6, last week you heard he comes back from Nazareth. And it says he began. He begins to send out the 12 two by two. So there's going to be six teams of two, but they don't go all at once. Began means a process. So he's sending two here, and he's going to send two out there, and then he's going to send two more. So over time, probably a short amount of time, he sends them out two by two. Who are they? Pardon me? Yes, the disciples. I know that. Yeah. I meant more like, what do they do? <laughs> fishermen. They're fishermen, and you've got a tax collector. And you've got a zealot, a revolutionary. You've got a traitor, Judas Iscariot. These are just all very, very common people, just like you and me. There's nothing real special about us. They weren't the elite. They didn't have any letters after their name. They were saying, well, who did you study under? Why would we ever listen to you? But God used these 12 men to turn the world upside down. It really is teamwork. So when the team is working, I think it's safe to say that uh, spiritual energy is present. I like this story. There's a wonderful story about Jimmy Durante. Anybody remember Jimmy Durante? Yeah. Remember Jimmy Durante, Lily? No? Okay, just checking. He was asked to be part of a show for World War II veterans. He told them that the schedule was, his schedule was very busy, could only afford a few minutes. But if they wouldn't mind his doing one short monologue and immediately leaving for his next appointment, he would come. Of course, the show's director agreed happily. But when Jimmy got on stage, something interesting happened. He went through the short monologue and stayed. The applause grew louder and louder, and he kept staying. Pretty soon he had been on 15, 20, then 30 minutes. Finally, he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage, someone stopped him and said, I thought you had to go after a few minutes. What happened? Jimmy answered, I did have to go, but I can show you the reason I stayed. You can see for yourself if you look down on the front row. In the front row were two men, each of whom had lost an arm in the war. One had lost his right arm and the other had lost his left. Together, they were able to clap. And that's exactly what they were doing, loudly and cheerfully. <laughs> I would have stayed. I would have stayed too. <laughs> Teamwork. Oh. Um, there's been a development in the Kern household. This Kern, Fiona, is now out of a car seat. She is in a booster seat. All right. So that means when you get in the car, you can kind of, like if you get into Kathy's car, you can move it around. You can sit in the middle. You can sit in the back. You just got to do the seatbelt, right? 
So Fiona, Kathy always says, I'm waiting to hear two clicks. So click one is Lily, like that. And then Fiona's struggling a little bit. So her sister is now helping her get the click. Teamwork, right? Working together to get the job done. Teamwork. I love it. I, back, in, back in my day, we used to drive from western New York up to Maine in a station wagon with bench seats and no seat belts. Seven kids, two parents, nine people. I'm not sure how we did that. And, and, and the other part of it was I used to drink out of a hose, just so you know. And here I am today. I lived. I lived to tell about it. Well, it's unity over division. We certainly have a lot of, um, a lot of division in our lives these days. But here I am walking on the beach, actually yesterday, and I said, all right, <laughs> what do you got for me? And it was, it, was, it was interesting. He said, tell the truth, be truthful, hold together, stay unified, keep your eyes on D Jesus. The dawn is breaking. Do not be discouraged. That's a good word. The dawn is breaking. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be discouraged. You know, with all the stuff that's going on, that's what he wants us to do. I can't tell you how blessed I am at Christ the King for the team that is here. Whether it's volunteers or staff, it's, it's amazing the group that God has assembled to pull this off. Day in, day out, whether it's the routine of the week, whether it's just keeping the lights on or getting the sound to work or, um, you know, all the ministries that we have, God has been very, very good to us. The last example of that was at the Vacation Bible School. We had over 100 kids registered and always had in the 90s during the week, and it was young, old, and everything in between volunteering to make it, make it work. You know, Another wonderful example of teamwork is that school, Grace Christian School, and the, the leadership, the staff, the parents, the kids, everybody kind of hopefully now working together to make Grace everything that God ever wanted it to be. Now that the uh, pandemic is over, we can get back to business as usual with having the kids more involved in the life of the church and having the church more involved in the life of the school. I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to that in a big way. So if you're working for Jesus, you're on the A-team. The second thing is trust. Remember that faith leads to trust, trust leads to obedience, and obedience leads to blessing. God blesses faithful obedience. He wants us to be obedient. And he tells them today, travel light. These are the directions he gives. Travel light. Gonna take, you're going to take a tunic, your sandals, a staff. You're not going to take any bread. You're not, not going to take any money with you. You're going to travel light. I didn't know this, but rabbinic law says that when a man was to go into the temple, he had to leave his sandals, his staff, and his money belt outside because you were going into a holy place, and the ordinary things of life had no place there. I just thought that was 
interesting. Also, just the fact that you would take your money belt off and leave it outside and then go into the temple said a lot about the character of the people in those days as well. Very simple. God asked us to trust his son. Minimum of provision means a maximum of faith. They certainly did not have a lot of provisions as they left. I think of us leaving grace. I thought we had worked out, well, we had worked out a deal with the, uh, an agreement with the diocese to leave in January, June of uh, 20, 2008, but some things happened. We had to leave sooner. So in, in January, I remember calling my junior warden, Wes Heron, and said, we got to go now. And it, I said, I don't know where we're going, but we got to go now. And his CPA, Sharon Fouracre, was in his office and said, well, I go to a church. We've got, an ex we've got an extra sanctuary. And we just closed our school, so we have these two buildings, and we don't know what we're going to do with them. The next day, Kathy took a group over. I couldn't go. Said, came back and said, it's perfect. This, is, this, this would work. And then we had that Thursday night, next night. Was anybody there at that Thursday night? At 6 o'clock, we said, if you don't know what you're doing, come, you all we had a meeting. And then at 7 o'clock, people started to come and come and come and come and come. And we filled the place up, and it was standing room only. And I said, well, you know, we ought to have some music. So Joel got his guitar out. We started to sing. I said, we ought to have a Eucharist. Let's do a Eucharist. So we had a Eucharist. I said, well, you can't have a Eucharist without a collection. Let's take out the collection. $18,000 later. And then our last Sunday was February 10th and then the 17th, 3rd, and then the 10th we started over at Living Waters, Pentecostal, Worldwide Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, all one word, and for 10 years we learned from them and they learned from us. And when we left, all we had was basically my vestments in a prayer book. You talk about simplicity and traveling light, that was it. But people stepped up and bought everything we needed. Somebody bought all those tables and chairs that we had downstairs. Somebody bought all these prayer books and hymnals that we had. You, you all bought the chairs. For $38, this can be yours. So we bought all these chairs. Investments were made and altar hangings were made. And Carol Trow had a line outside her door for chalices and all the stuff that you need to make this work. People were so thrilled and happy to do it. We trusted God, and he provided for us. And then here we are today with the school in a beautiful place, and God still continues to provide because faith leads to trust, and trust leads to obedience, and obedience leads to blessing, and God blesses faithful obedience, and you have been faithful. He said, stay where you are. When you show up, don't look for a better place. I remember going down. We first started going down to Honduras. Some of you have been there. Very tight quarters. We'd have a whole bunch of guys staying in one room, all bunk beds, you know. Um, no hot water. No hot water. And the really exciting thing was when you used toilet paper, you didn't put it in the toilet. You put it in a plastic bag next to the toilet. Yeah, I got used to that. Um, you know, if you were there for a week, you would have meat probably for one meal. 
during the whole week. Otherwise, it was beans and rice, tortillas, you know, things like that. Those tortillas, they were these corn tortillas. You could drive nails with these things. And I noticed that the boys all put the tortilla on their cup. And I thought, why? And then I realized it was to keep the flies out of the drink, out of the water, you know, that kind of thing. But we had a wonderful time there. It was such a blessing to be able to interact with them. And after dinner, we'd go down and play games, and, and Bernardo would always be there, and he would talk to the kids that were getting ready to leave, and he would have this what it means to be a man conversation with them. And then after, our th and I think on our third trip there, it, that part changed because they'd installed a TV set. And the kids didn't want to participate with us. It was They were always watching a soccer game or something. And I thought really diminished it quite a bit. If people do not respond, he said, shake the dust off your feet. When people would come back from being out of Israel, they would shake the dust off their feet and off their clothes because they didn't want any of that coming back into their holy space. And Jesus says, when he says, shake the dust off your feet, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's a situation where you have kind of closed the door because they have refused to listen. Remember Bill Bright. Bill Bright started Campus Crusade, and he would go on spring break. He'd go to Florida, and he'd go around the beaches, and he'd start to talk to these. He'd go up to these groups of college students, and if they and he'd bring up spiritual issues, and if they wanted to. Um, converse with him about it, he'd be happy to do it. But if they didn't, he would say, God bless you, be safe, have a good time. And then he would go to find a group that did want to talk about those things, and that's where he would spend his time because he only had so much time. And he said, I can't throw myself against a brick wall. I'm going to go someplace where they're going to open the door for me. And that's really true for us as well. But I will say this, never, ever, ever give up praying for people. You never stop praying. Don't, don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for the people that, that you know. And I know, you know, you've tried to sort of introduce them to the faith. You've used various ways to do that. It hasn't worked. But keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Prayer is very, very powerful. He tells them to um, repent. And... Uh, Mark uses that word or a form of it only three times in his gospel. And he says, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And in the same chapter, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is, is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. means I'm going to stop doing the things I shouldn't do and I'm going to start doing the things that I should do. I'm going to stop living a life of sin and start living a life of holiness. We're born with a sin nature. You do not have to send your ch children to a special class to teach them how to be selfish. You do not have to send them away to learn how to not tell the truth if it's going to make them look bad. 
you don't. It just comes naturally. This is really who we are. We're self-centered. And the whole point of creation, the whole point of Scripture is to reconcile us with the Father because of the fall. And how does that happen? It happens through that gift that Jesus Christ gave us on the cross. So when we repent, change the way we think, turn around and go back to him and realize there's nothing we can do to save ourselves to restore that relationship, that means that you've been reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what they're doing. They're preaching repentance, they're casting out demons, and they're healing the sick. In our day, I think the question is, does my life reflect the fact that I'm a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ? Does my life, the way I live, reflect the fact that I am, in fact, a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ? There's a prayer. Now, this, is, this one's very special to me. So yesterday, I knew I was going to talk about this prayer because I really like it. It's the K3 and K4 prayer that Mrs. Gibson over there teaches to all the K3 and K4 kids, and that's where I learned it from Lillian Fiona. So I asked Lily if she'd say it with me at the sermon, and she said yes. And then she came to me, and she, she kind of whispered, I really, I, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. But then about 30 minutes later, she gave me this. She wrote it out. Here's what it is. Lord, thank you for giving me life today, for meeting my needs and hearing me pray. Bless my home and grace school too, as I do my best to bring honor to you. Bless this food you have given me to eat. May I always remember your love so sweet. Amen. That's what the kids say. And then there's another one when you get a little further down the line. But the, the reason I, I, I thought of that prayer as I do my best to bring honor to you, as I do my best to live a life, my life in such a way that it honors you. And am I doing that? Am I consciously doing that as I live my life and interact with people? Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's little things. Um, we were down in uh, New Smyrna the last couple of weeks. The kids were there for a while, and we went out and to a place, JB's Fish Camp, and Paige was our server. And, you know, we pray for servers. I, I, I don't say, can we pray for you? I just say, Paige, we're going to pray in a minute. How can we pray for you? I don't say, can we? I say, how can we pray for you? And she, she looks at us. And her whole countenance changed because her mother was sick. We prayed, we grabbed, we just took her hands and we all prayed for her mom. And it was a very special moment. And our table became special to her because we had prayed for her mother. It didn't cost us anything. And it wasn't trying to be a big show of look how holy we are. It's because who we are. That's, that's how we want to live our lives. There's the fruit of the Spirit. If you go over that courtyard, you've got the fruit of the Spirit all around the, the courtyard. And I just got news for you. It's not a coconut. It's not a cherry. It's not a banana. 
it's not a watermelon, and it's definitely not a fruit cocktail because that's the song that they all know. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just love, agape, sacrificial love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Greater love than this has no man to lay down his life for his friends. I will love you even if you don't love me back. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. Joy. Are you joyful? Jesus, others, you. Think of it that way. Jesus, others, you. Now, when I do a wedding, right before we do the vows, I say, I, in this bag, I have secrets to a happy marriage. Everybody's there. They're all dressed up. The bride's in her dress. It's all wonderful. I will pull out a banana, and the bride's eyes get very wide. And I say, you may wonder why I'm pulling out a banana at your wedding. Kathy's always my server. Not gonna lie. I'll say, I love bananas. Love them. But my wife hates them. In fact, they make her sick. But for 47 years, she's bought me bananas because she loves them. Then I will pull out an empty toilet paper roll at their wedding. And I will say, this should never appear on the roll in your home. Because it says, I got mine, you're on your own. No. And then we have the coffee cup, because I bring Kathy a cup of coffee every night. Jesus, others, you. Put this back together again. It's always a fresh banana, but I don't know how old this is. trying to see, did I do anybody's wedding here? Oh, you already see it. Coming up, too. Boy, anniversary. Oh, man. Peace. Am I a peacemaker or am I a pot stirrer? Do I love a good story? Am I a gossip? Do I talk behind people's back? Can I not wait to share what I just heard about Deacon Pat? or whoever. That's not what we're looking for. Faithfulness. Does my yes mean yes and my no mean no? Do you, can you count on me? If I say I will, do I follow through? That is a sign of a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. But I will say this. The most powerful evangelistic tool that any of us have is our own story, our own testimony. What is it that Jesus has done in my life? What is my personal story? Nobody can say, oh, that's not what happened. That's not how it was. No, 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 you didn't say that. She didn't do No, 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 that, that's not. No, it's my story. And you can't change it, modify it, take it away. And you need to get comfortable when the opportunity arises to tell your story because there's nothing more powerful than that 
when you're trying to talk to somebody about what this is all about. Because in the end, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul.